0: Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and as always I am joined by my two co-hosts, Dave Lands and Mike Miranda. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> and joining us via Skype we have uh, film critic Chris Klemek, uh, who has written for such publications as The Dissolve and NPR. Say hello, Chris.
1: Hello, Chris. <laughs> well done. See, he's 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 already never, in never doesn't kill. <laughs> wow, is, is a, is a classic.
0: And gets gets him every time. And on today's uh, episode, we are going to be talking about Babe. If this is the first time listening to this podcast, we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.comslash reviewed podcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewpodcast.com, and our website is reviewedpodcast.com So without further ado, let's start discussing the nineteen ninety five film babe when i first came to the boss's farm it was a whole new world to me everyone here seemed to know their place the boss and his wife the sheep dogs the sheep and all the other animals well oh yeah, almost We've
2: got to do something about that duck. Now I just have to figure out where I
3: fit in.
1: I want my mom. <laughs> Good heavens. Who are you? Babe. <laughs> there, there. The little pig's a bit low. He's going to sleep with us.
0: But mom, he'll wet bed.
1: <sighs> what are you? You pig. What
0: are you? I'm a you. A you. Okay. What a great trailer,
3: <laughs> man! I've it every week. Really good.
0: The trailer is so good.
3: You want to? We want to talk about what this movie's about. Yes. You
0: know? So Babe is a story of a pig who um, who is, can talk, believe it or not. Who's raised by sheep dogs, and he learns to herd sheep with a little help from Farmer Hoggett. Uh, played by James Cromwell. As I said, the movie came out in 1995. It's directed by Chris Noonan, and it is written by George Miller. And the big incentive for doing this podcast for a couple of reasons. One, Dave is obsessed with Babe. When we start, we, <laughs> from when, day one, he's been watching men- this movie. When we mentioned we were doing this podcast like a year and a half ago the first thing he said is like can we do babe and then i was like <laughs> i don't think it was oh, the first thing I said. okay i think
3: it spawned the podcast actually i think dave had started by saying i really want to start podcast
0: and the other and the other major thing is that george miller is very much in the zeitgeist right now his film mad max fury road is done very well critically and has become this huge kind of summer action movie tentpole that has impressed a lot of people so we thought it would be interesting to talk about the movie it's not meant. For, that's not meant for adults at all, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: debatable. Debatable. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just. And I'm this, looking this at you. This movie was things. nominated for uh, for a lot of Oscars in 1995. I didn't remember that, but yes. um, you know, I think it only won in a couple of categories, but it was nominated for most of the major ones. Exactly. Yes.
0: And um, I think it's a really interesting movie for a couple of guys to talk about in a basement. So, yep. um, <laughs> no.
1: hey, there's three guys.
0: So, Chris, <laughs> being that you are the guest on this week's podcast, we're going to start with you. Um, I have one major question for you. Um, I'm not going to argue that this movie – I think this is a great kids' movie. But my question to you is, is it also a great movie?
1: Uh, well, what's great? Um, that's uh, that's a lame, equivocating answer. So I'm going to say yeah, um, because I, I feel like I have uh, a lot of resistance to uh, now as when I was a child, to movies that – are you know consciously geared towards children um i think i, I probably like this more when i watched it the other night when uh when i saw it in 1995 when i was at the you know impressionable age of 18 um yeah i i think it probably moved me more um you know the the sort of allegorical stuff about social structures and uh, about uh, you know the carrot versus the stick and means of coercion and um, maybe maybe I would have gotten that on a, a you know an emotional level that I couldn't really articulate had I seen this movie as a child um, but as an adult it, it really comes through in uh, in a way that I don't think is too didactic or or irritating um, you know there's a there's a very unique visual look to this movie that makes that. Those ideas, kind of, it's it's the spoonful of sugar that um, helps uh, the medicine go helps down. that go down easy. The, the bacon yeah, flavored medicine, exactly. <laughs> the spoonful of sugar that, that makes the tracking implant go down is, I think, the original <laughs> original line. Yeah, no, I, I really, I, I think this movie has aged astonishingly well.
0: Huh?
3: Dave, it,
1: no. why, why don't you and echo the statement? We can just end it there. That's great.
0: What well, fun with that! No, no, be, no, no, no. Um, well, I'm actually going to go. I'm going to have you go. I think last, probably, Dave. <laughs> okay. um, Mike, tell me why this movie is awesome or not.
3: I wish I could, Ivan. I really wish I could. No, I'm kidding. Okay, okay. Actually, um, this was another one of Dave picks, Dave's picks that I was going into. Like, oh, God, why are we doing a movie about a talking pig? <laughs> and is it even a classic? Like, what is this right for the podcast? What is it? Um, it's. It was actually a pretty good movie. Like I, say. I, I was almost angry that I enjoyed it because I was going to give you so much crap for it this week, and I was just like, "Oh, I can't wait to watch this movie and hate it, and I'm gonna rip of a new one." Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. I think and I was actually really surprised. I think. um Well, first, I think like you know we're talking about the allegorical elements and the fact that it's a you know it, it can play to a uh, older audience and it, and it has value and you can find. It, uh, good lessons to be had there. It's enjoyable. I think it's deeper than just silly kids. In fact, a lot of the humor I thought was maybe not even the humor, but a lot of the elements were very dark. And, um, even as a kid, I'm like, God, I, this may have even scared me as a child. I don't know. Um, It was rated G too. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you don't see anything necessarily, but like the implications are pretty heavy duty. Um, I mean, the duck sees one of his good friends get cooked and eaten and he's watching people (laughs) eat her and like, wait, this
2: is horrible. Um, And how they're just
3: kind of all like, you know, the the kids get sold, the little puppies get sold and I'm like, oh my God.
1: Oh, yeah, they're, they're ripping him away from his, his mom at, like, maybe oh, 3 that. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you the movie slaughter- opens with, in a pig factory where they're <laughs> yeah, and <you laughs> they're see all them. being taken off to
3: be slaughtered. And, and they're going, <laughs> yeah, right, it's, it's, they're going away to paradise, and then you see, like, on the side of the truck is, like, meats. And right. it's just really, yeah. Not right. that dark equals good, but, I mean, in this case, there is a... Well, no, I, I think I was pleasantly surprised. I think it deals with a lot of, like, heavy subjects. Um, And what's interesting is it seemed to be, like, it, it just... um. You know, like, Farmer Hoggett Hogget is not necessarily... Like, he's a good guy, right? Mm-hmm. But in some way, he's also kind of a bad mm-hmm. guy, too. Like, he's almost a force of nature. Like, he, he's somewhat neutral in the fact that, like, he has to run a farm and there's certain things he has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't help but, like, really like... I really like this character. I, I liked... Um, James Cromwell. James Cromwell, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I liked I the job he did. and The character of Farmer Hoggett is great. And I think it's almost that he has this, like, weariness to him that, like... Um, even from the animal's point of view, you can kind of look at it like he's just doing what he has to do to make a living and, you know. Um, yeah, overall, I liked it. There was uh, it, the effects. I was also very surprised by for a movie of its time. You said what year was this? 95. Was yeah, 95. So, I mean, yeah, that's not super early, but um, I thought we were going to see some really janky effects and I think like it was pretty spot on. Like all the the speaking mouths and stuff look good, especially for its time. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it just goes to show you that, that it's always better. I mean, I think if it was made today, it would probably it would they might just go a completely CGI dog, CGI right. cat, CGI yeah. um, pig. I mean, instead of the mix, which is I think what makes it work, right? Yeah, because I think they also. The My
3: uh-huh. guess is they had a couple of moments where they had some unpredictable stuff. When you know the, um, like I think one of the famous shots of the movies when the uh, baby's on like that uh, board thing and he falls off the board backwards or something like oh, that. I've right. never right. seen that coming attraction. Right. I could right. see that being a mistake. Like they were shooting yeah. it. It was hilarious <laughs> okay. and cute, and they're like, "Let's! Oh, that's yeah. amazing! That's gold!" <laughs> right. It's um, funny
0: that you bring that up, Mike, because no, my thing. only recollection of this movie is seeing that Back shot the, in the trailer. Right. Yeah, so. and then
3: the sheep's going, "What a nice little pig!" <laughs> <laughs> um, and even something else we can talk about this later because I don't know how they did a lot of the shot. Like, how do they get two by two sheep to line up and move? And like certain, like how do they get the pig to follow the duck in the house? Like, there's things I don't know how they did it. <laughs> okay. um, so I, I, I hope Dave, you can give us some background on that because.
0: Uh, um, yeah, so, sure. Dave, why why is this movie well, wait, so important you were, to you? I thought you were going. No, go I'm going to go you next. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> why is this movie so important to you? Like, what about this movie speaks to you?
2: I don't know. It wasn't like I was 10 years old when I saw this movie. I, I was, I'm, I guess, I'm Chris's age. I was I was 19 when I saw it, and uh, I I don't know. I, sometimes you go in seeing, a, sometimes you go into a movie and you have uh, certain expectations. You, you know, I, I remember this movie getting uh, very good reviews. Um, you know, I, I watched Siskel and Ebert when when they were on and they were praising this movie, it got great reviews. And eventually I think I saw it before the Oscars. So, um, I was a fan of it before it, you know, it was nominated for best picture and director and supporting actor. And I think it won for visual effects, but, uh, I I guess I just, I saw this and had no idea what to expect. I mean, because you know, especially when you're 18, 19, you know, back then, me and mm-hmm. all of my film studies. You Friends. wanted some nudity. You wanted a hard R. No, no. no. We, were yeah. watching, we were watching Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and right, Clerks. Right. and Those are the kind of movies we were watching. Uh, and Babe kind of came out of nowhere. And um, It's hard to say exactly, uh, but when I was watching it this time, my wife my wife pointed out something. And what she said was, I think this movie is you. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she's like, it captures your goofy, sensitive spirit. And I said, I guess you're right. There's something about this movie that I just connect with. Um, I, I think uh, I'm kind of lucky that I also think it's also a really, really good movie. I mean, well, I, you know, when, when you asked, I was just going to say, movie, this, this guy, guys, this movie is so good. I mean, how can you not see how good this movie is? And so when you were saying that, uh, you know, you weren't looking forward to watching Babe, you seemed really frustrated that I had picked this movie. And I was watching it, I was thinking... <laughs> they want to tell my friends... What is Ivan Paris- thinking? I mean, has Ivan seen this movie yet? What does he think? Does, does, I mean, he can't... You can't you can't tell me this movie is not a really good movie. What does I? Uh well okay. so I know that it was kind of just like uh, rambling on about nothing there. But um, I think this I think this movie is just on almost every level it, it kind of does exactly what it's supposed to do, you know. It's All like right. a All right.
1: <laughs> no. I'm going <trying>. to
0: <laughs> keep I'm not going to keep you in suspense any longer. Did I enjoy Babe? Yeah. I did. Yeah.
3: I enjoyed it. <laughs> but he it. wasn't happy about it. But
0: I still think the movie's got issues. <laughs> I do. Th- I think the movie has issues. Okay. Um, my favorite thing about this film is something that I think Chris touched upon. It's this idea that there is a darkness underlying everything. It's a sweet movie, but it's also got this really, um unf- like, a-, a layer of reality. I don't even know if it's darkness, but it's got a sense of realism for a kid's movie. In Harsh the, realism, yeah. Yeah, in the sense that animals die. And that it's not just because our main character is a pig— doesn't mean that magically people don't eat bacon anymore. And I think that's an important thing about right. the movie yeah. that, that, that the movie does very well. And even the death sequence of Ma uh, where uh, there's like blood on the snout of Babe mm-hmm. and yeah. all that kind of stuff, I think is it shows a sense of tactile realism that gives the movie weight. Um, and, and I really appreciated the film for doing that. That being said, I think Babe is a really lame character. I think oh. he's my problem oh, man. with Babe oh, man. is he's Boring. like there has oh, never been a duller God. character <laughs> than babe like <laughs> he's harsh. just had,
3: was he supposed to be like an anti-hero pig walking around spray painting the barn it, like what it, was he supposed to can't it, a
0: character why just can't be he kind? be proactive
1: and in my face can't
3: a character yeah, right. just be kind <laughs> like, I, th-
0: no, I think that well I think that kind is fine I don't think kind's interesting like I think I, but, uh, well, but there's this,
3: a place for kind, and I agree with Dave on this. I think I'm I'm so sick of I've we said it millions of times. I'm sick of the, the oversaturation of antiheroes and bad boys and misunderstood loners. I like Babe as like this innocent, like you, you know do gooding little guy I mean, who and, doesn't and, know his own place. And not
2: only is not only is his character kind, I mean he actually has a character art. He's not he's not just like the straight uh, per, you know, the straight character for people to kind of react to. He has this arc where he, it's, like it's a little bit of a coming of age story for, me. and
3: he does he does try to be a badass. He tries to to bite the sheep <laughs> very he's briefly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like he has that moment where he tries to be, and he just realizes it's not him. And I don't know. I think he's got an arc there. I think there's some depth to Babe. Well, I
0: think the fi- I think the second half of the movie is by far stronger than the opening act of the movie I, uh, when it finds this rooting in the. He needs to be. Do we lose him?
1: Sorry about that, guys. Okay. Sorry.
0: We're back. Um, we, we lost Chris for a second, but we're back. Um, yeah, I was
1: being a Skype antihero. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like what you did there. I play by my own rules.
0: <laughs> I don't need to stick with these kind of conventions of podcasting. Um, I think that the issue... I think that it becomes a lot more interesting when Babe has this focus of becoming the sheep pig, and I think leading up to that, it feels like a lot of it feels like a storybook, like a book you'd read as a kid, which it's based off it's of, so it makes sense. Though. But this idea that it's like these separated chapters, and each kind of thing happens, and, and another thing happens, and structurally, I wasn't really invested until that second half, and I got really invested in the second half. And I it, think the final climax is very strong, and when Hoggett becomes more of a character, I think that yeah. also helps the movie as well. So I think that it is a good movie, Dave. I'm glad I watched it mm-hmm. i wonder but don't where, ever do this to him again <laughs> oh i God. wonder whether or not though that this would it's funny that it's you know it's commonly it's thought of as a kids movie mm-hmm. i don't know how well this would appeal to kids like is would this be something that you know an eight-year-old would want to watch i
3: think so i think you get like a lot of funny moments especially with the duck the duck is i feel like kids would crack up every time the duck is mm-hmm. on screens he's just so ridiculous and then, well this i mean i'll, I'll
2: just be honest this is I mean, my daughter's just turned two a few months ago and last year this is the first movie I tried to show her and she made it through a, bit, a few minutes before she that's she wasn't scared she just didn't understand and it was she interesting she was just bored <laughs> <laughs> to How be fair
0: a one a one and a half year old or a two year old doesn't can't sit more than ten minutes no, month, no no so. no no
2: because and, and uh, it was something interesting I actually found about just the general process of filmmaking watching it with her where, where she would see the pig I would say see the pig and she would go where the pig <laughs> and that's then, adorable. And then they would like, cut to another shot where where Babe isn't in that shot, and she would go, "Where's the pig?" <laughs> so because she didn't understand the rhythm and the process about how editing works yet.
0: So. <laughs> how old now, is she?
3: That's that's a shame. Actually, you've been failing your job as a parent. Yeah. Well, so
0: now that we've discussed the developmental disabilities of Babe's <laughs> daughter, um, uh, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about the technical craft of this film, and we'll, I think we're going to go into those larger thematic issues that Chris talked about a little bit later uh but let's talk about how this movie looks and maybe we can talk about how they probably achieved some of this so stuff
3: it seems like they okay so a couple of things that stood out to me it seems like they were using a lot of animatronics for a lot of scenes especially with the duck you could tell a lot more in his neck um what did you think chris i
2: mean were you able to uh kind of pick pick out anything that was interesting to you this,
1: this you know I, I i well I, I don't know i i think like a, like a lot of people um I, I sort of like the artificiality uh, that you get from from practical effects. This is certainly something that, you know, my piece about Mad Max Fury Road and every review of it is, has touched on is you know, praising the um, um, revival of, of, the, of the, these older techniques. Um, you know, and even even when they don't look, um completely authentic. Um there, there's still a, a tactile quality that I think still makes like the you know the Ray Harryhausen stop motion stuff very interesting to look at, even if you don't believe that these creatures are actually alive. Um, the effect work in this movie looked very seamless to me. I I mean I actually I, I couldn't tell looking at the duck. I mean, you know, I'm watching it on on TV and everything and it's streaming and the you know the picture quality is is sort of going in and out. But um You know, if not for the, if I hadn't seen the credits, you know, um, identifying animatronics people and computer animation artists and stuff, I'm not sure I would have known that there was um, such a variety of techniques used, and they were, you know, combined just very successfully. Um, You know, I don't, I don't think that they're they're going for a fully realistic tone in this movie. Certainly, that that fable like quality comes through in the the visual style. Um, and that's not limited to the the special effects. You know, there are a lot of Dutch angles and things. Um, the Hoggett's house is a little weird and cramped, like something out of a, a fairy tale.
2: Exterior right. uh, uh, too, I think. Yeah, it all like, it
1: all felt of a piece. Yeah, yeah
2: and it, and it's even uh, the way it's shot and the yeah. way uh, the production is kind of set up. The house is kind of in the in the bottom of this valley. So whenever they whenever they shoot the house, it's almost like, wall like you have of grass this behind. Beautiful, it, yeah. beautiful beautiful backgrounds. You know, everything everything in this movie does look like you know, a uh, good night moon or. or it, know, yeah, it looked you know, very so
3: storybooky, very like, colorful, a lot of saturated colors. Um, there's a one shot where after he, uh, after a farmer hogg it's shearing the sheep and he kind of like, unfurls the whole like sheep skin or yeah. I not what skin that's, that's skin. horrific
1: oh my god <laughs> the, Should the, uh, the beat with the fax machine strike you guys is kind of strange because I, I was watching this and i was you know for a long time it's not really clear when the story is even set it you know I mean, from the, the fact movie. that they have a refrigerator and, and hoggett's truck you know you could kind of narrow this down to like a 50 or 60 year range right yeah but he drops he
2: drops a few modern touches into it uh that you know you know, so you know it's not taking place in like in the turn of the century, you know, 1910, 1920 or something. You know? Yeah, right. He's got a horse and really cart, know, but he also
0: has a pick I actually... Um,
1: would seem obsolete almost, you know, within five
0: years. I right. think it's interesting because I don't even know where the movie is physically supposed to be taking place. Because you would think... Um, James Cromwell's a British actor, correct?
2: No, he's I not? thought he was, but I he's
1: thought, an American actor.
0: I thought so. I just looked this up what? while we were talking. I was. We I got was surprised.
1: Him. He's one yeah. of
3: us. Yeah.
0: I, I I don't know. With a name like Cromwell, Cromwell, you just assume that he's British for some no, reason. The wife, um,
2: uh, Mag- Magda who's <laughs> Subansky, Subanski, I think. Is that she she's uh, Australian, but he's. Uh, American. But
0: there's um I I don't know where it's supposed to take place because it, is it supposed to be the American countryside? Is that what's where this is happening? I don't know. Or is it take place? Because in my it head, It
3: felt like Ireland to me or something. All the green rolling. Well, pretty I'm sure it was shot in New Zealand. I think it
2: was shot by the same cinematographer who shot Lord of the Rings, if I'm not mistaken.
0: But the, this idea that... Andrew Lesney? I kind of like the... Uh, his, wor- his
1: name is James Oliver Cromwell, so you could be forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> Born in Los Angeles, but raised in Manhattan. Because they, he's yes. more American than I am. Wait, is his name
3: really Oliver Cromwell? James
1: Oliver Cromwell. He's oh my a time God. lord.
3: He's hundreds of <laughs>
2: years. Into it. That's his name. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now.
0: So he uh, he took over Parliament. Um. Anyway, Um. <laughs> no, it's just... I, I think that... I like the movie better when I, it exists in no place and by putting like yeah. fax machines and other things I don't like that because it adds yeah. this kind of weird like semblance of oh this took place in the 1980s or 90s or wherever and it, and
3: it didn't really serve the story whole well it, it did the... a little bit because you have uh,
2: Hoggett coming around to like the modern era a little bit I mean there's a little bit mm. of a, there's a, there's a I mean his if you want to you kind of break down his character arc it's a, a guy who's kind of uh, stuck in his not they don't get too uh like to use your word, didactic, about the fact that he's stuck in his ways, uh, but he is a guy who's just a farmer. He expects to cook this pig, and he's kind of he's coming to this realization that maybe not all animals are. You know, meant to be are eaten. Meant to be eaten. <laughs> and, but they taste and, so uh, good. And he has a, kind of an eye-opening experience with his babe. I'd like to his, see Babe, his, his babe
3: 2 character. where he knows that babe is not to there be eaten. There is a Babe 2. Right. Okay, so in a Babe 3 where he knows babe is not to be <laughs> eaten, but he knows that he tastes really good. And the whole movie is him fighting with that instinct. <laughs> right. So it, it's like a vampire story. Yeah. Exactly. It's Twilight. It's <laughs> right. Twilight for farm animals. Well, the right. thing
0: about Cromwell's <laughs> performance that I like a lot in this movie is... Um, he doesn't he says hardly anything yeah, in the entire yeah. film. But we don't give enough credit oftentimes to actors that are just being stoic and are not saying anything. There's a lot of non-verbal acting in this film from him mm-hmm. that is very strong and we have a tendency to focus on performances that are very showy, a lot of dialogue and a lot of, you know, actery moments. And the only actery moment in this is his little dance sequence yes. at the end <laughs> and I mean, my interpretation of that scene is that his wife has finally left him alone, and he can finally be like he's he can he's like this is a guy that's always wanted to dance, mm-hmm. or you know he's always had this kind of spirit inside of him, and he he was always afraid to let anyone see it, and he yeah. had, he had connected with the pig enough that he was going to open up to the pig mm-hmm. in that sense. Well, he, he
1: he does it he does it to get Babe to eat, right? right? Like Babe, right. babe yeah, is yeah. Yeah. depressed and sick, and he's he's trying to cheer him up, right?
0: And uh, and the, their connection is just so strong that's that's what he feels like it's going to do it, or yeah uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, think
3: it's a little bit of both I think he starts out by singing to him to make him feel better. And I think the 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 act of singing kind of helps him to realize like, oh, I like expressing myself, and I think it kind of dislodges the fact that he just wanted to dance. I think the dance is just as much for him as it is for for babe. Well, let me ask you
2: something, Ivan. You you are also a father. You had a son a year ago. Have you ever danced for your son? Have you no? Well, I I, when he was sick. (laughs) Have you ever sung? Have you ever? Were you ever singing to him in the hospital when he was born, or were you at home when he was was crying? When he was crying, uh, yeah, (laughs) I I sing to him
0: all the time.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, there's something that is just like inherently that feels good about singing to. uh, I mean, this I think he sees Babe as almost like a A child, child in a way, not a little more than a pet, right? So. Mm -hmm. you know, there, there's something that's just inherently uh, good about singing to, a, uh, you know, someone you care about. I
0: something think. you're going you <laughs> <wanna laughs> <laughs> to eat there. Well, the at this movie point, movies. not like <laughs> his, his
1: actual offspring who is giving him fax machines, right? Him he needs right. to get a, some modern accounting software. <laughs> yeah, uh, giving him crap about
3: how he's not earning <laughs> enough money. You, Come on, you kids. need more cash flow. Brad. <laughs> You need to monetize your assets,
0: <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of going back to the look, we kind of got a little sidetracked. Does anyone feel like this felt very Wes Anderson like? And I realize that Wes Anderson comes later yes. in our pop. Um, but did anyone have a, that well, feeling? The yeah.
1: chapters really, really kind of drive that home. Yeah, it's a little, the, a little the chapters, fantastic,
2: Mr. Fox.
0: A the little. the crook, and like you mentioned, the the way that they're house is 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 crooked but in a way that is like very folkloric Mm -hmm. um all all the production design elements whether it be their antiques you know uh, appliances to the various even the contraption used to open up the gate in the farm yes all kind of had that feeling to me and even and the film has this um center frame thing going on and i mean obviously because mad max has been so much so talked about lately in you know on the internet there was this piece recently did everyone see this where it talked showed mad max being oh sorry where mad max was a center frame like mad max center frame they talk about the cinematography of that film tends to focus on center framing and this film does a lot of that same kind of stuff Mm -hmm. there's a lot of center framing in this film there are a couple more avant-garde angles but it's just interesting to me how it's almost like um this is like a warm-up like I feel like Wes Anderson watched this movie before making the Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah. and then just kind of cribbed Babe a lot, which is interesting to me. Because I wasn't a, I wasn't aware going in that the movie had such a defined aesthetic sense. I pictured it to be very bland looking, and I'm, I'm actually was pleasantly yeah. surprised by how. Much- yeah,
1: this is the same year as Bottle Rocket,
0: right? Uh, I five? think so. You mean Wes Anderson's worst movie? Uh huh. Um, <laughs> well, his his first <laughs> his first movie. movie, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. And, um, yeah, maybe maybe Wes Anderson is the great filmmaker he is today because of Babe. That's my 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 crackpot theory. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: or, or because of Happy Feet,
0: too. <laughs> <perhaps>. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the deeper thematic issues. For some reason in literature and in cinema, farms are often used very conveniently as a way to express societal structures. Um, and you mentioned something very interesting, Chris. I want you to elaborate about the carrot and stick idea. And I just want to know if you want to talk about that a little more. Yeah. The, so Babe
1: is, you know, is kind of adopted by um, I, the the, the ma-dog. Fly, <laughs> fly. Uh, fly. Fly, dog. right. And she's right. So she's the partner of, of Rex. Um, and we, you know, Rex is the character whose backstory we, we learn to a greater extent than, than anyone else's actually. But, um, you know, she shows nothing but, but kindness and nurturing to, to babe. And the first time we ever see her be aggressive is when she's telling him, you know, you have to dominate the sheep. You have to bend them to, she actually says, bend them to your will. And, um, you know, he finds that through persuasion, basically by, by asking nicely, they'll, they'll go along with what he, what he needs them to do. um, you know, but it's clear that, that that's that's not an approach that's ever occurred to the the dogs, right? The scene where where Fly goes to, to speak to the sheep, um, or does she send Rex? Rex oh, goes yeah. it, right to to get the the password. Um, it, it, I I sort of I like this this moment where we, we accept the convention of this movie where the the animals all communicate verbally among you know across species and stuff, but um, it's it's sort of like the uh, the sheep and the and the dogs have trouble with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah like, it seemed at a couple places
3: almost it. like there was a language barrier. Like they would talk to the sheep and the sheep would just go like and that was it. Like <laughs> and there was no other communication other than that. And that's why they just thought yeah, the sheep was stupid. I love that. Yeah.
0: Um and I mean obviously I draw comparisons to Animal Farm because I had to read that book like six times in my various <laughs> schoolings. Right. Um
1: but every time you got kicked out of a private school, the first thing, <laughs> so, yeah, for some Great reason, Animal it, Farm again. Animal Farm is <laughs> always
0: that book that they give because it's an easy book to read, so you can like assign it to seventh graders and they can get through it. Um, but my, I guess my question is, um, is the movie have anything deeper to say about, um, just like the nature of animals versus humans? Like, is it, is it okay? So this is a long way winded of, way of getting to this. But when this movie came out, there was this huge like vegan vegetarian push and people accused this movie of being like vegetarian propaganda and um, I have no you idea think, I could see that is, is the movie condemning humans for their role in this food chain or where they are and is it doing that or is that not a, a concern of I mean I think it, it,
3: it, it I don't think it purposefully does I think just by the nature of it yeah because obviously if they're animals they don't want to die so the ones killing them are people I mean other animals are doing it too so I think in some way yeah you can look at the messaging where but I don't think that's what the intent of the movie was and I don't think I'm still going to yeah, go ahead eating animals, and I don't. <laughs> the sorry, fact babe. That,
1: that the movie does not demonize the Hoggets at all, right? You know, I, I mean, I, I think look, argues against that. I, I would say
3: against Mister Hoggett, but Mrs. Hoggett is pretty diabolical especially oh, yeah. when she's like she's staring at him and she's like licking her lips she thinks and... her husband is insane yeah she thinks he's insane and right. she wants to eat babe like I, I...
0: well,
2: uh, well <laughs> she seems to come around at the end well she's
0: also an interesting uh, character because she reflects that theme she's a lot like fly in the sense that she can't understand that people can be different like right. that uh, she thinks everyone needs to fit that same role as well as the same she's just like an animal on the farm in the sense that she believes that everyone has a space they need it or a slot they need to fill so when Hoggett goes beyond that it's like the most devastating thing Thing in the world for her to see him like embarrass her or whatever, um, which I think is, is interesting in a way because in a large in large part I, I consider her the villain of the movie in a movie that doesn't really have a villain mm-hmm. like an like a like a direct evil force the
3: villain in the movie is societal structure I well talk about that (laughs) no
0: you you can't just drop that and and let it go so that's the the villain of the movie is is an abstract concept the
2: hero the hero hero is chaos
3: (laughs) (laughs) the the hero is anarchy and the great leveler that is chaos no I I think for me honestly I feel like because it's it's not that any one person is bad or any one person... It's, I feel like everyone is a victim of wherever they are in the societal structure of the farm. Like, It's not that Mrs. Hawkins is bad, it's just that she's hungry and she likes bacon. You know what I mean? Like, It's not that she's doing anything evil, but it's just, unfortunately, babe, you are my vehicle to get right. more bacon.
2: Right, there's no real villain in this movie except for maybe she's, uh, I'd say the she's absence ab- of kindness or ignorance or... Yeah, she's or, an
3: antagonist, I think. But if there's any... I mean, if you want to say like a, a hard and fast villain, it would be the wolves or the, the sheep thieves, I guess. But, or, right, And but there's are such
1: small it's, it's characters. It's really the, the cat who kind of delights in- oh, Oh yeah, you know, yeah, of course. That, uh, hey, guess what? Guess what? Pigs are for. Yeah, yeah, you're right.
3: Actually, that's that's exactly it. I think if, if there is a villain, it's the cat because the cat takes pleasure in the fact of the way things are, whereas everyone else right. is kind of just going along. The cat's like, "Hey, guess what?"
0: <laughs> well, I think this movie is a reflection of that old adage uh, that nature is not cruel; it's indifferent. Right. Yep. And you know, just because it, you know humans don't eat bacon. Because they really, really, really want to hurt pigs, they just like eating things that taste delicious. Right. So, right. you know, you know, tell that to my people, the Jews. <laughs> who just can't eat, can't eat pigs. Uh, you, you know what's
1: interesting is my my. I mean, my favorite movie last year was Under the Skin, um, and choice. then I, I went back and, and read the novel afterwards. And the novel is unquestionably, you know, an anti meat industry huh. kind of. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to call it a screed because that suggests that it's this shrill, you know, like like more. Uh, like its moral is more important than its imagination its technique, and I, like i don 't think that 's true at all um, and, I, and I love the adaptation of it, but they are distinctly different and, and the movie, I think jettisoned the the politics of it almost entirely. Um, but um, so, so you're saying yeah, the, the book the, got
2: more into like the minutiae of why uh, the oh, yeah, this no, alien no, character the, was doing what the, it was the,
1: doing. the the book it's very yeah I mean in the in the book the the humans that the the alien played by Scarlett Johansson in the movie are is capturing are very explicitly being harvested for food they're being you know castrated and having their tongues cut out and fattened and it's very clear that they remain alive and conscious um, and aware while well, this is happening to them and that's oh, very um, disturbing. Yeah, the movie does not No, it it is extremely disturbing.
2: Yeah, the under the Skin was great actually. Um and it is interesting that you bring up this whole idea of an alien actually because I feel like in, I'm calling this a George Miller movie but it's not I mean it's not no, technically not, directed by George Miller. Yeah, We he, need to
0: give credit to Chris Noonan, who Chris, actually directed this. Right.
2: Film. But he, you know he didn't you know just you know based on on history. I mean Chris Noonan didn't go on to have this uh, incredibly Illustrious career following it, uh, following Babe. I mean, he, he directed I think maybe one or two other movies, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is strange given that he was nominated yeah. for Best Director and this was a yeah. highly successful movie. Oh, he was nominated uh, for Best
1: 10, Director eleven yes. years before yeah. he before he directs another film. That looks like uh, I'm just looking on IMDb and there's something called Miss Potter that I have.
0: That's the one never Renee. heard of. It's Renee, it was... it's Renee Zellweger's that that movie, right? Oh yes, oh, yes she yes, you're is. Right. Beatrix right.
3: Potter, right? Yeah,
0: it's a, a Beatrix Potter Peter movie. Rabbit. Yep. Yeah. Um,
2: but George Miller uh, wrote. Uh, if you if you watch the, uh, he wrote and produced this movie. He directed the sequel, and uh, and I think it, a lot of the stuff in Babe falls more in line with a lot of the themes that he explores in his movies. If you you know if you're thinking about Fury Road, uh, you know when I was watching the uh, pigs being taken off to be slaughtered, they were almost like the War Boys and. And uh, Fury Road, exactly screaming, them. screaming exactly. about Valhalla. And, <laughs> I was thinking of that too. Yes, <laughs> yeah. shiny and chrome. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Eternal. Um, you know, and, and there's also a, I feel like you know, even in Happy Feet, if, if I'm remembering Happy Feet, I mean, there's a the main character of that movie is, is a penguin that dances, right? He's kind of like uh, absurd. <laughs> yeah, well, I... I <laughs> preposterous. <laughs> it would never happen. <laughs> you, know, you have a character that uh, kind of um, kind of reaching beyond. His societal, you know, place in society, just like Babe is doing the same. Just like kind of uh, Furiosa and Mad Max is trying to escape her.
3: her We should get them all together in a room, and uh,
2: yeah, we should. It would make it an interesting kind of Avengers-style movie. Furiosa, Babe, and uh, we should
3: do a battle royale between the three of them (laughs) and
0: see what happens. And
2: Happy Feet Pig or Happy Feet Pig, Happy Feet Penguin.
0: (laughs) I kind of want to talk a little bit about the sensibility of George Miller in the sense that I mean, the reason we're doing this. Movies because of Fury Road and his kind of, excuse me, his launch back into the zeitgeist. But he has had such a crazy career, right? I mean, he makes these three apocalyptic movies um, that are pretty dark in a sense. And then he just, he makes, uh, uh, you know, two kids films back to back. He makes Happy Feet. And then he jumps back to Mad Max. And he he hasn't really made that many films. And I'm just kind of curious, is that because, I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to extrapolate about this man's life, he's prolific
2: in spurts. He's like he'll, he'll he'll make a bunch of movies and take a long break and then make you know a bunch of movies again. I think he's already planning the next Mad Max. But
0: movie. I, I was reading about this film and uh, there's people said that this this movie he made this movie right around when his kids were like you know he like eight or nine or something like that. So he was this is the kind of movie he wanted them to see, and then you know now that they're grown up he can go back to having. People, you know, blowing up cars and spray
3: painting their teeth, spray right.
0: painting into their teeth <laughs> with uh, uh, getting high off spray paint before going into battle. So I mean, is I mean, it, it's an interesting reflection to me. About how your stage in life can reflect the films you want to make sure. and the films that you want to see, and there's no better example than this kind of movie, this kind of film, because George Miller is not a prolific director, so each film seems like a conscious choice about where his head's at. Mm-hmm. Though I've never seen Happy Feet, and that came later, so my theory could be entirely entirely wrong. So I'm You're missing sure. out. <laughs> Is Happy Feet good? I have never seen it. I have it. never seen it. I think the first one was okay. Dave, I mean, if we're doing I that in three weeks, it. I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, I'm not, I'm not going to make <laughs> this to it.
0: Did he do one <laughs> and two? He's responsible for both those films? Uh, What's he, the deal with Babe 2? I've
3: heard it's very strange. It's okay. Well,
2: so I actually watched both of them. I went ahead. I mean, they are they're, uh, they they weren't made. I think, I think there's three years between them. I think it was 95 and then 98. Uh, and Babe 2 is a much... Um, Darker movie, Pig in the City. Pig so in the I City. Think. Pig in the City. Oh! It's a much darker movie. It's a it's a movie that's filled with. Uh, it's a denser movie, I would say. And so I could see how someone would watch Babe Two and think um, it's a better movie because it's a little more subversive. It's a little darker. It's a little this and that.
3: For me, I don't it, know it, if I can it, handle darker it, than Babe One. Well, <laughs> it's
2: just you know, there's 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 more everything to it that you know. It, it he goes to a city that's kind of this. Uh, combination of all it has structures from all of it that has like the, the Eiffel Tower and the Golden Gate Bridge and all that. You know? So it's <laughs> preposterous. <laughs> I'm out. So, I mean, it's also a storybook. I mean, it's, a, it's meant <laughs> to be like a storybook, but it's a very different, it explores similar themes of, uh, of you know he's, he doesn't suddenly turn dark in this in, in Babe 2 you know there's the there's he becomes the, more of an anti-hero yeah I was just right? going to say yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, starts he dabbling he in, in thrown meth. out
1: of the sheep herding association <laughs> yeah, there's a, at, at no
2: point does Babe become a yeah. he doesn't become a blood bag at any point in Babe 2 um, he, disappointing. Uh, yeah, yeah, disappointing yeah disappointing <laughs> <laughs> but it's still about kind of this uh, how uh, he affects the characters around him and uh, and uh, but it's, you know it, 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 I think it it's funny that it's directed by George Miller, but I expected it to have kind of a more subversive ending. But Babe 2 has kind of a more mainstream-feeling ending, to me, at least. I don't does why. he
3: stop like a gang war between two different animal <laughs> gangs? <laughs> no, but it's just kind of this big, over-the-top
2: ending. that uh, that, And that's one thing I think Babe does so well, is it really sticks the landing almost better yeah. than any other yeah. family movie I can think of. Um, and maybe that's why I like it so much, is because, you know... It has one of the most perfect ending lines in a movie. It yeah. has like just yeah. the,
3: the pacing of that final scene with the crowd.
2: and and. Uh, Can I
3: the, say something? Like, I, I, A lot of movies where they have a crowd observing someone doing something amazing, Like, I, I, I mean, I guess, I never questioned it before. I think by comparison now, I'm like, it always feels cheesy. Of course they're going to applaud. Of course they're going to go crazy for it. <laughs> I bought it so much more in this movie. I'm not sure why. I guess because I, in some way it was believable, the fact that, like, yeah, if this guy shows up with a pig to herd... Sheep that is hilarious. I'd be laughing my ass off too. Right. And then if the sheep start lining up side by side and walking around in perfect like lockstep, I'd I'd be pretty floored too. So I guess in that yeah, sense, But, but very before believable.
1: they go crazy cheering for him, they're like, like actively jeering him. They're being right. a lot nastier than they need to be. You know, three minutes earlier. Get a right. dog, hog it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well,
3: this is also when it, this is probably rural America somewhere, which is not always the most open-minded to. You know different ways of life. Like I still think pig, this is made in New domes. Zealand,
2: I think, or Australia. And I would, I would say it probably takes place there. I also like the animals' reaction to them. Like they're, 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 he's trying to talk to. So he's trying to convince. At the end, Babe becomes. Just you just like know,
0: poop jokes, Dave. Yeah.
2: Okay. So that's what you're gonna. That's the Go end. He tries to talk to the sheep, and there's like there's a, there's a shot of an actual sheep taking a you know, <laughs> taking a dump <laughs> next to the animatronic sheep. Clearly, that's it, uh you know, talking to him. So that's what I'm talking know. about. The practicality of the movie is
3: perfect. The,
2: the cinematographer well, was Apatow like
1: insisted that that scatological scene be, be <laughs> famously. Uh, Miller didn't necessarily want it there, but uh, feed that know, sheep and say on everything. Make your battles.
0: <laughs> I think. I mean. I think that the. Oh, a large reason why this movie still holds up, and this is what you know, this ultimately what this podcast is about, is whether a movie still holds up when you look at it, you know, twenty years later, fifteen years later, whatever. Um, it is that tangibility of how the movie feels and looks, um, and that's what makes it super, super awesome. There might not be a seamlessness to the effects. I mean, there. I mean, it is pretty good, but there, there are still some seams that you can see. But I think that makes it all the more charming because of it. It fits that storybook I Spy like book aesthetic that I think really works for the movie
3: so so real quick Dave as a Resident master of Babe. How did they get the <laughs> sheep to follow each
2: other? I'm yeah, still... what,
1: what is the name for that that field of inquiry? That that what is the pedagogical term? <laughs> what did you get your well, right? you're you're Just, an, just animal
2: it's trainers. I mean, I, I did watch the. And that's another thing. It, this movie, uh, the director's commentary. Chris Noonan's nowhere to be found on the DVD. It, it's George <laughs> Miller does the the uh, you know quote unquote director's commentary. So do
0: you think George Miller held a gun to his head the entire time? I don't like know. You were going to direct this I, movie. I don't do know everything I say.
2: But what George Miller said is they did have animal trainers specifically for each type of animal in fact there's this one shot where all the animals are kind of looking in the window i think it's the maybe i don't when know he's when he's dancing well there's various there's a few scenes where that happens and he was talking about how they had to have a trainer for each one of those animals they have a cow trainer they have a duck trainer, each holding they, a you know, shotgun and they're like, all trying doing multiple things behind the camera trying to get you know the uh, <laughs> the animals to do exactly what they want them to do so you know it's, it's it sounds like a difficult task to be not, not to mention the special effects and uh you know, I, I don't think the sheep probably walk side by side in every single shot, but I, I, I do think that, uh, you know, with enough uh, work, you could get the sheep to do what you want them to do. I was thinking maybe
3: they tied them all together. Maybe. Possibly, I don't know. <laughs> so they had no choice, which is actually pretty ironic considering the, the movie's about, you know. Appealing <laughs> <laughs> to
0: what's free will. Yeah.
3: Right, right. Babe Unchained.
2: Well,
1: in the same way that, that George Miller, you know, hires genuine little people and stuff for, for Mad Max, instead of using, you know, makeup effects and stuff to achieve those looks, he, um... He gets three-legged animals right. and uh, yeah. <laughs> binds them together in a not, a not necessarily fully humane way.
2: Well, I believe Babe 2 does yeah, have a, uh, a two-legged dog, and I can't imagine that was a special event.
0: Um, so I'm going to go into the things, things that bugged me about the oh, movie. These oh. are the nitpicky things. Go nuts, that, man. Can I, d- this scene really didn't work for me. Um I think the the scene that takes place after is very effective but the scene where Hoggett thinks that Babe is the one that killed Ma mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me from a logical yeah. perspective I mean, this is a pig, like a tiny little pig. How could he have like, <laughs> bloodily murdered this sheep? And I think afterwards the scene with the gun is very effective because it talks about like what would be going through Babe's mind about how he thinks that tubes are going to provide him food and yeah, that dramatic that yeah. irony as an audience that we know, you know, it's not, doesn't look good for the pig. It's gonna but like I mean, someone else from food. a plot perspective, just from a writing perspective, does that not work for anyone I, else? I agree.
3: Thank you for bringing that up. I, f- I forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't buy it and I'm like, come on, if he really, knows his pig so well, and he really connected so well, he would not really think that that happened. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> come I think on. Who, is, is, it, is it the narrator, or is it Fly, who explains that it's this the, is just a violation of the law of the farm, and, you know, he, he I can't tolerate it? I Probably believe it's
0: the narrator, yeah.
2: yeah. Roscoe narrator. Lee Brown, who, uh, it, it, until now, I didn't realize, was the same actor that there was this character, he was a character actor, who was on the Cosby show, and some, uh, in my head, I heard this guy is like, a British actor, but he's an American actor. You know, he's he just... Has a very distinct way of pronouncing, uh, you know, the, uh, announcing and, and saying things, and his, his uh, yeah, I, patterns are very. You know, unique. he.
1: I, I wondered, and I, I, I have not checked this, but um, I wondered if he was the same guy who did the the prologue to The Road Warrior, um, where mm-hmm. they explain, you know, very vaguely if how only, the world if only came was there, to there was this a desperate. website. Where we can <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: um, and the other. Well, oh, we can dream. The other <laughs> major thing, and this is a minor. Knit. I didn't the, 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 the singing mice just didn't work for me uh, yeah okay so what I
2: was like it I thought they were going to have like a, a profound Terrifying. role in the movie they, yeah. yes
3: they were sc- yes they, they, first off there's
0: something about were like that they scary
3: oh yeah whoa excellent well, well done I didn't know the singing oh, mice
0: were in the room with us that was <laughs> did you, I, I called did did you guys app. all hear that <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know something about high pitched voices A freak me out and B it seems like they were trying to add a certain pop culture re- relevance to the film and that's like one of my least favorite things about the movie is when they tried to date it by putting like, oh, this takes place when fax machines are a new piece of technology. Yeah, but they're what,
2: singing Blue Moon. and That's like a 1950s song. I mean, that's not... I think not... they're
0: sing- You mean they're not singing the thong song by Cisco? No,
2: no. Outside of the fax yeah. machine, there's really
3: not a lot.
1: Yeah, what was what was big in 1995? There was that first Alanis Morissette album. You uh, know,
3: Spice Girls. Spice Girls. Were, were these <laughs> supposed to be the mouse was
2: Spice
1: it big- Girls? Was that the year of yeah. Big
0: Willie style, where he had like 45 yeah, big like, hits? Yeah, like,
2: but the mice weren't pop culture-y. I mean, they weren't singing songs that were from...
3: from
0: I know, just don't get their the appeal. I don't get their appeal. Maybe that's it. Maybe you can explain to me, David. Well, they're Why just... Right? They're, just they're, they're like the Greek chorus of the movie, you know? <laughs> they're the fates. I mean, if you're gonna they're have, if you are
2: supposed to be the fates. If you're going to have these little chapter headings, I mean, and, and I don't have... Actually, you know... 20 years later, I still haven't read the actual children's book. I should go nice. and uh, order that on Amazon.
0: That's called The Sheep okay. Pig? The Sheep Pig. Uh, I I would guess they're in the book. Which is a better title, in my opinion, by the way. The, the Sheep, Sheep Pig? Probably. I think it's a better title than I, I, I
1: agree, right, yeah. By, by Dick King Smith, not to be confused with the Dick Smith of Roger Corman movies. <laughs> 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 That's perfect. <laughs> did
0: we ever figure out if the narrator also did the Road Warrior? Has that ever been resolved?
1: Uh, oh, you know, I guess I could move my mouse over to the other part of the screen. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> hurt I, yourself. Okay. We'll see if Dave can, we'll see if Dave
2: can I, beat I'm you to I'm not seeing it.
1: anything about it. Uh, uh, so pro- it's possible, but... Uh,
0: well, I mean, I actually, I actually have to go back and watch a lot. Now that I've seen Fury Road, I need to go back and watch... Those Mad I Max. I think it's movies.
2: Furry Road, guys. You could say it, it wrong, was Doctor Barnabas Foster on the Cosby Show.
0: It was. Are you saying it's a movie about men who dress up in uh, costumes?
3: <laughs> Animal. Yeah, Furry Road.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh,
3: <laughs> you didn't get that. There's costumes all over the place. I don't.
0: <laughs> I um I, I want to go back because um I believe it or not I've actually I've, I've seen the Road Warrior. I've never seen um, uh, H-
2: Harold Bajent the voice of the narrator in The Road Warrior. Ah, oh.
0: there you go. Um, I remember only watching Mad Max briefly, and um, I never finished it because when I started watching, I was like, I thought this movie was about a post-apocalyptic future. And, right. It's about the first Mad Max. The first right? Mad yeah. Max. And the first Mad Max takes place very much in a world that looks like... Uh, like 1979. You know? Just slightly run down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, was, I, I literally thought tired. I had the wrong movie. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. This right. is the wrong movie. Yeah, you know, I, I just,
1: just right before we got together to record this, I was listening to the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith and he had um, I mean, it was like a month old episode where he had George Miller on. And Miller said that the the first Mad Max was only set in a supposedly post apocalyptic environment because they couldn't afford to shoot it in a populated area. <laughs> you know, it was it was it was three hundred thousand dollars in nineteen seventy nine money or or something like that. And he just said like we couldn't afford extras, we couldn't afford locations, we couldn't afford you know current cars. Um, so that was our fix. He's like, I put a title card at the beginning that just said a few years from now, done. <laughs> yeah, you work with
2: you work with what you have,
0: I guess. That's very interesting did. to me. Now I, I want to go back and revisit those movies because you know I, I feel like I missed out on Miller mm-hmm. uh, as a filmmaker now because I you know I've I have I've seen, he's made very few movies but I haven't seen a lot. of Yeah, them, it won't so. take
1: you very long. <laughs> <laughs> Do <Good> it <laughs> in an afternoon. I, I watched all the Mad Maxes you know before the release of the new one, and I, I of the original three, I really think the Road Warrior is the only one that's essential. Right, and, I agree. Yeah. And did you? That's the first one. And second one. Second one. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, you, but you would recommend do you? Can I just go right to the Road Warrior, or do I have to? Yeah. Okay.
3: Y- yeah. You Yeah, that's it's the best one. You could go right to Fury Road, really.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, they, I did,
2: they all kind of stand alone. Well, I What's did. Obviously. Is,
3: is it Mad Max, Fury um, Road Warrior, and then Beyond Thunder Thunderdome? Thund- Thunderdome, I've actually never seen.
0: <laughs> I've seen all clips remember, on HBO, but I, I just remember like the clips that were going. Like, that's all I remember. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. yeah, and that was... Uh, that, that's we, that's we, all you need. <laughs> is that the... Uh, the, the we, Tina Turner video. That's what it you, is. Uh, that's yeah. who it is. Okay. We don't need another hero. got all the highlights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, yeah, so that's something I'm going to uh, partake in. The, uh, this is, again... We're Lorenzo's
2: Oil is something I actually have never seen and, and have always wanted to see, so I think I'm going to definitely check that out at some point
0: um, soon. D- isn't it interesting... I, I'm getting too far off the beaten path here. Isn't it interesting that... So is Mad Max also to take place in the same universe because... As babe? No, 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 no. <laughs> that would be amazing. If we can find some way for them all to connect. Babe is
1: what started the, the, the apocalypse. Uh, the Miller Cinematic Universe, or MCU. Well, think about this. Maybe it's MCU. when a,
0: when a pig tries to supersede its role in society. Society it, collapses. It created a collapsed yep. society, yeah. and that created an oil shortage for some reason. And then well, because we oil didn't want to be pushed around either. <laughs> oil's
3: like, we, we deserve better. We shouldn't be
1: just stuffed in cars.
0: Oh, man, I'm going to write some serious fan fiction that's going to get some traction. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> um you know,
1: so so it's so the question is do the do all the Mad Max films? Yeah, are they in the same, same chronolo-
0: Are they in the same chronology, or does it just not matter? Yeah, I, I think I think they are.
1: I I think uh, Fury Road sort of hints at that, but I but I like that it's sort of vague, and I like that um, particularly in in the Road Warrior again, my favorite of the original three. There's a a narrator who comes in at the beginning of the end and sort of um, sets up Max as this figure of myth, you know, and that can explain away so many things. That can explain why he used to look like Mel Gibson and now he looks like Tom Hardy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of the, this, um, you know, archetypal Clint Eastwood type man with no name character who drifts in and, and drifts out, and um, I I like that. I think that's a that's a strength, but but I do James think they're all the intent to. It. to yeah, exactly, and 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 as in James Bond, in the same way that that Skyfall kind of plays coy about all that stuff by reintroducing his car from Goldfinger when this was supposed to be a, a reboot, you know, starting with Casino Royale, um, Fury Road does that where where he has his his interceptor from uh, the other movies at the beginning of Fury Road and then immediately loses it.
0: Right. Very cool. Um, any final thoughts on Babe before we uh, close out this podcast? Any. Any any parting words for people that are listening to this and can't believe that four men have talked about <laughs> a talking pig movie for forty five or fifty minutes? What is your plea if you have them go watch this? You know,
3: believe it, son. I wouldn't believe it, it son. No, <laughs> um, no I, I would say you know, I I, I what I like about Babes, I like when you can watch a kids movie and not waste your time. And I right. thought that's, that's what this is going to be. I figure like ah, Dave's a softy now. He's got a daughter, he probably thinks it's a good movie, and it's not. But it was, and I, it didn't waste my time. I think it had a lot of good, you know, storytelling elements. Mm-hmm. I think the, the craft is very good. And I think overall, I mean, it's it was enjoyable. So yeah. I eat my hat. Uh, <laughs> you mean, I your hate hat. <laughs> your Your foot is in your mouth? No, means you I mean, take eat my your hat. hat off to me? <laughs> no, I,
2: if I like this movie, I'll eat my hat. It's one oh, of those okay. things. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, so yeah, I, wrote, I wrote down a couple things. And you one, should you your hat now. And, and uh, I guess this is a question I would pose to you guys, is, is that I, I just wrote down, this movie avoids a lot of the quote-unquote dumb stuff that, kids movies sometimes uh, are, are, are guilty of and, and we haven't mentioned this but this is a movie that came out the same year three months bef- uh, following another talking Before. pig movie Gordy there's a movie called Gordy that came out what was also- that movie about I'm, I'm going to read it <laughs> we were talking last
3: week about competing <laughs> movies Gordy and Babe we completely missed uh, Gordie... Yes. Now is, is
1: Gordy the volcano or the Dante's Peak? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. this is exactly what Exactly. We were talking about last time. <laughs> See, that's a, bad,
0: that's a bad comparison because both those movies are awful. But um, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think I've seen either of them. Yeah. No. Neither, no neither by
2: actually all the way through. Uh, I, th- I think uh, Gordy is more of like a friendship with a little boy kind of movie. You know, it's like not Mac a, and Me. Yeah. It's, it's more like the Mac and Me of Talking Pig <laughs> movies. <laughs> and Babe would be the ET, obviously. Um, and, and also the, another thing I wrote down. Well, so I, you feel free to say what this movie. I mean, it, it avoids a lot of the things that I think are, are condescending uh, that you find in kids' movies. And I think this movie came out before Toy Story. I think Toy Story came out. It,
1: I, I, it's what I thought you were going to say because right. it came out three months before Toy Story and the start of the whole Pixar. Right, and that's you know, something Pixar, line.
2: Pixar does. That's something that Pixar does generally. You know, minus a couple movies, maybe. But, uh, so well is, is uh, make movies that you can be you can be any age and you, know, you can watch uh, a Pixar film. It, you know, they make family movies that adults can really, you know, be on board with because there's, you know, deal, they're usually dealing with uh, themes that we can all identify with. But they're also entertaining in a way that kids can watch them. And I think that's what Babe does really well.
1: And I mean, as with the Pixar movies, I I don't think I would have sat still for this as an eight year old or a twelve year old. You know, I love it as an adult, and maybe maybe that was just me. Maybe I was just a weird kid who was you know so <laughs> like angry at anything. Like I just assumed it was condescending if it was being served to me if it wasn't you know Star Wars or something. Uh, I didn't wanna didn't want to see it. But um, yeah, I I, the, I I just saw Inside Out uh, the other week. Um, Wait, it's out. It was, I was hear it oh,
0: he's a film critic. It's, uh, oh, I forgot. That's pretty great. He's also it's trying to. Dra- he was trying to do a little humble brag. You know, you know, when I saw Inside I was, Out in yeah. my private screening room. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I
1: don't. I don't mean to brag, but I saw San Andreas like two days before. <laughs> See, that's how you brag, of, uh, man. That's how you yeah, do it, right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I have a lightly used DVD of. Um, this humble brag is running out of.
0: Are you embargoed um, to say anything about Inside Out? No, I.
2: I, uh, I, <laughs> I think they're, it's on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: You
1: can, oh, it's not. It's not.
0: The reviews are out. Yeah. How did yeah. you like?
1: No, it? I, I mean, all I'm <laughs> saying is that, like the, these movies, I, I don't think they would have uh, affected me as a child nearly as much as they they do as an adult. And I, I mean, uh, in the early moments of Babe, where we see you know mom getting taken away and slaughtered and all that stuff, I it was like the beginning of Up, you know how everybody loses it in the first eight minutes of Up. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I had a similar reaction, so uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like- I kind of feel like these are more. Adults you know intended not to not to prohibit kids maybe but uh, I, I, I don't even know if children are the intended audience.
3: Yeah I feel like me as a child would have seen Babe's mom going off and being like, okay well, she's going off to paradise cool <laughs> instead of being like, oh well, you probably my couldn't God. read the word meats on the side of the truck right or if I did, I was like, oh well, she's gonna get food while she's there okay <laughs> um,
0: you know what this movie uh, reminded me a lot of? Does anyone remember the film Mouse Hunt? Uh, the Gore Verbinski film. I didn't see no. that one. Oh, okay, well that crash <laughs> and burn. Um, <laughs> no, I haven't
2: seen that one. Is it good?
0: I, I, it's an interesting movie because right. it's 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 oddly sadistic, but oh. um, it has the same it has a very same technical folkloric quality. But the reason I bring that film up is, like Chris mentioned, I don't think Babe would appeal to a kid. And I brought this up at the beginning of the epi- uh, episode. I think that I would have a hard time convincing a nine year old to really like sit down and enjoy Babe. Um, but now, as a, you know, an adult watching. it, I, I see all these kind of, you know, thematic things about it that make it very interesting. So I'm
2: going to keep trying every once a year. Julia is going to wait the, for the babe that, treatment. You're <laughs> going to wait for that magic year where she actually enjoys Babe. So if
0: there's a, a, you know, I I started this podcast off saying, is this a great kids movie or a great movie? I don't know if it's a great kids movie, but I think it's a great movie. Does that make oh. sense? Mm. 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 Flip
2: the script. Look at
0: you. So on that note, let all hold <laughs> That'll hands do. That'll Cooper. do, Ivan. That'll do.
3: That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> you can call him pig.
0: It's So, uh, Michael, where can people find you on the internet?
3: You can find me on Twitter. I never tweet. You can find me there at MikeMirandy.com or, oh, actually, at
2: MikeMirandy. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: probably why people don't find you on That's Twitter. No one can find me. <laughs> <laughs> at MikeMirandy. At MikeMirandy at likeos. <laughs> Mike.
3: and uh mike uh
0: dave what about you uh dave
3: glans
2: on twitter g-l-a-n-z and dave glans productions.com
0: and And chris where can we find your writing on the internet
1: uh everywhere at at c-t-k-l-i-m-e-k and chris clinic.net is where i compile
0: well he's never come back
1: so that was
3: (laughs) 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 well we did review babe i mean i'm surprised (laughs) Oh, there you go. Hello. Hey, Chris, can you read off the last letter of your web address? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the mo- That was the greatest time ever to be cut off. In
1: this <laughs> is, that, is that where I dropped it? Exactly.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was dot .com. Okay, uh, moving on.
1: Yeah. All right. Somebody, somebody feed me a line. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, where can I, we find I, your writing on the internet? Uh, I tweet at C-T-K-L-I-M-E-K. And ChrisKlemmick.net is my website where I compile all my reviews for other places.
0: Okay, and you can find me at LuckyNineStudios.com at Twitter at IvanKander, and I am the editor for ShortOfTheWeek.com, so you can uh, read my writing there. Okay, so I think uh, it's time for uh, just to I think for next episode. Um, Dave might not be here because he might have a child, so a second child. If things
2: go well. Uh, Another one? Yeah. Yeah. He's just (laughs) mass-producing them now. Yes, the second one and the last one.
0: Wow. The other one will (laughs) still exist. (laughs) And um, so we're not sure who the additional uh, co-host will be. If there will be one. We're going to try to tackle a movie very similar to Babe. I think we're going to be doing Blue Velvet. So a movie so comparable on the spectrum that they just fit well with one another. But in all seriousness, someone tweeted me, uh, tweeted me on Twitter. Sent me a tweet on Twitter saying that you guys should do a David Lynch movie. And I was like, okay, we'll do a David Lynch movie. So we're going to be doing... Uh, blue velvet next and really freaking ourselves out. All so right. watch that in the end of time. Yeah. Uh, so well, if, I
1: will be excited to hear that, that discussion. <laughs> yeah. Not a movie <laughs> so you, I want to watch. That, the that's actually before. the, the, I, I think I've seen that more times than any other David Lynch movie. In fact, I'm sure I have.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's one of his, probably his most famous. So in that, that is uh, it should be a fun thing to discuss. So if you want to find us on the web one more time, you can find us at reviewpodcast.com and we're at facebook.com slash reviewed podcast. Until next time, Mike, can you can you take us out with some beautiful mice singing? Please. Just uh, a little <laughs> And a one and a two and a three. me <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> right? a tragic day. <laughs> We were also joined live via Skype. We're actually not live for you guys listening now, but via Skype with Chris, uh <laughs> Why don't we start this whole thing over again? Right. No, that, that's
1: actually... That's exactly how you say it. <laughs> All right, let's start again.